0: Everybody, thank you for joining us on Too Young to Be This Old. I'm Andy, and i got my buddy Ben here with me.
1: How's it going everyone? We've got a pretty interesting topic for both of us this evening, um, or whenever you decide to listen. We're going to discuss the state of gaming today.
0: Yeah, this is one I think we talk about probably the most, and is probably the one where we have a lot of disagreements. <laughs> on our differences in opinion
1: yeah differences in opinion is a good way to put it um it was actually really hard for us to kind of put this together because we really didn't want it to come off with any of our fanboy bias which we both present so well but that's part of what drives the argument so we'll just roll with it
0: right so let's knock out out of the way just social media and plug our site so if you want to find us on podcast.t young to be this old.com, it's also linked in the show notes. Uh, on that website is going to be all the different ways to listen to us. If for some reason we're not somewhere that you want to listen to us, let us know and we'll try to fix that. Uh, I'm on Twitter at AndySum25. And Ben, I think you are too.
1: I am. I am going to be at, at Dr. Fumbles07 on Twitter.
0: Alright, so now that's out of the way, We won't bore you with that any longer, but I guess let's start off the podcast. Uh, Ben, you want to present uh, kind of the first points we're going to make here?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think for us to get started, we're going to talk about the big three in the console department, and that of course is going to be the Nintendo Switch, the PS4, and the Xbox One. So we will start there, and I'll let you kick off with the Nintendo Switch since you own one, and it is the only thing you tell me that I need to get here recently.
0: Yeah, exactly, and so I like that you mentioned console, right, because I'm sure I can hear people screaming, what about PC, but we will get to that. We both definitely love PC gaming, and we both have a lot of opinions about it, but starting with the Switch, um, I think, you know, Nintendo's late entry into this Console generation, which kind of seems to be their thing lately, right? Show up, you know, halfway
1: through and kind of show up, show up disrupt through. the market. Yeah, show up halfway through with a console that's underpowered and might have been okay if you released at the beginning, unless it's got a killer gimmick. And I feel exactly. Like, I feel like that's the switch. Um, but I
0: think the Switch did the gimmick better, right? But but let's
1: let okay. So let's talk about this. I I'm not. I like Nintendo. I'm a huge Pokemon fan, and I love my 3DS. Still play my 3DS. I feel like the Switch is cutting into that 3DS market share, because now you have a home console that's portable. So it's kind of, are you shooting yourself in your foot? Because you guys were the only name in the handheld market. Right, because you got
0: Sony tried to get there twice, and seemed to just kind of fizzle up, fizzle out and give up on the Vita, right? But Real quick. Real quick, so I feel like, though, I think that either they're going to have to make a decision soon, right? Like, either this is the new handheld, and this is the way they're going. It's going to be the home console and the handheld. Or do they do something really innovative, like what I think they should do is that if you want to have your 3DS and play your 3DS games, fine. But if you want to have your Switch and be able to play 3DS games, make those available as digital only. Because there's really no reason. Almost so they couldn't make it work. Except for the whole dual-screen thing.
1: Yes, and even then, dual-screen can probably be worked around real easy.
0: Yeah, I feel like they can make it, you know, they can make it, do. But um, I think one really cool thing that Nintendo has finally gotten in this console, or finally it's caught on well enough, that that whole myth that Nintendo has no third-party support, I think, is disappearing with this console.
1: I mean, it's because a new in- it's the new indie machine.
0: Yeah, it's a new indie machine, which is what the Vita started becoming I think towards the Vita's, you know, slow end of life or it's still around and you know it still gets indies, but I think now you're seeing indies that used to only show up on PSN or indies that used to only show up on Xbox or only show up on Steam even are showing up on the Switch and Steam or they're showing up on Switch first and they have some kind of like timed exclusivity deal where you're getting these games ahead of time on the switch and this is like the place to play if you want to get if you are into some of those indie games and smaller titles this is still a console for you you don't have to pc game if you want to play indies right you can still take all these games with you which i if think is need, one of the coolest things
1: about the if Switch. if you need to play stardew valley 27 you can do that on your you switch. can take it
0: with you anywhere right and it also has the a multiplayer patch now, so you can even play with friends if you decide to get Nintendo Online, which with as much complaints as there is about Nintendo Online, and I agree it has problems, like not having a uh, voice chat is pretty, pretty dumb, honestly. Forcing that to be on your phone is, I think, a huge, huge misstep, but one thing I do like is, one, the fact that they understood this is their first real foray into a true online service and they made it cheap it's 20 bucks a year or if you do the friend or uh, family plan it's 40 dollars, and you can get up to eight people on there so right now i know i'm on a family plan so i paid like 14 dollars for the year between me and my wife so we have access to it and they got rid of virtual console right but they have now this kind of nest classic library <laughs> um which is basically seeming more and more like they're taking the NES and the SNES Classic and just putting them into this online library where you just have access to all these games. And I don't have to go out and buy a NES or SNES Classic for 80 to 100 bucks and let it sit for those on my of shelf.
1: If you who don't understand the SNES and NES Classic, it is the Super Nintendo Classic and the Nintendo Classic. I don't think everyone yeah, that's true. may understand <laughs> that, that you were just spitting out there, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, Nintendo knows how to hit the nostalgia points high, which is why their first party always does well. You have, you know, the people always see that red-headed overall plumber, and they're ready to go. Or... For anything. Like, I mean... Ready to yeah. go, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think there was so much question when this first came out, right? Because there wasn't that many games.
1: I got it I, when it came I out. I would say... And... I wouldn't say the questions were because there weren't that many games. The questions were because of how bad the Wii U was.
0: That's a good point.
1: Yeah, I don't think anybody thought Nintendo should release another console because of how atrocious the Wii U sold. Um, They didn't feel like the Wii U got enough support, what was going to happen with the Switch. But it's good to see the Switch is getting the support that the Wii U deserved. Right, Um, the
0: Wii U should have gotten so many more games. And if you remember when the Wii U came out, EA, like went all in with them. They released a Madden on there, released, you know, I think in NHL. I know they put FIFA on there, even though that's on everything.
1: But they oh, went all they
0: in. Know. Yeah, sales were bad. And then they just totally retracted and never did anything else. And then it seems like every other third party went along with the A right? And just ran as far from Nintendo as they could. Right. Which I think really hurt them. And also, the way the Wii U is marketed, I'd still remember being in stores and hearing people talk about it like it was an add-on to the Wii, right? It was really misunderstood as to
1: what is the Wii U. As a former game store associate, it was awful. Absolutely
0: yeah, I'm sure terrible. you had plenty of experience trying to...
1: Yes, but let's be l- talking about the past. Let's keep right, our focus right. on the future because we're talking the current state.
0: Right, so I oh, think, yeah. though, they marketed the Nintendo Switch right. You know, if you're going to have your rooftop party, you can bust that Switch out.
1: Right, yeah, because that's exactly what I'm going to take, a $300 the rooftop.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I feel th- like suddenly people are more okay with lugging this thing around everywhere, because I feel like I see somebody on a Switch everywhere I go.
1: Right. I think the big the big three takeaways we have from is Nintendo may be killing killing their own cash cow by cutting into the handheld market with the Switch. They know they can ride the nostalgia wave, which you're getting great value out of the Nintendo online for the $20 a year. And third party is there, especially if you're into indie games and uh, things of the like. You have support here that you haven't seen with Nintendo in a long time.
0: Right, which can hold you over between your... Distant first-party
1: releases from Nintendo. Right. When you need something to play in between Mario Kart 8 and Smash Brothers, you've got Stardew Valley. Exactly.
0: (laughs) But, so uh, so moving on to the, I guess, the leader, right, in this generation.
1: Begrudgingly.
0: Begrudgingly, you know, it's true, is the PS4. So, PS4 came out hot, right, off of Xbox having a just god-awful deal for the
1: xbox well world. The, just a disaster the disastrous e3 that ps4 took off and ran with i don't want to get in that too much because that that's a subject for another day but they have an enormous leading console because of the hundred dollar cheaper price point and the much smoother launch. but do you think some of their success has gone to their head
0: yeah i think it's the same thing we saw between the PS2 and when the PS3 was coming out, they had their, you know, disastrous E3, right? Where they said, if you want a PS3, this is how much it is, get a second job if you have to. But you know, they didn't care, right? That was literally something they said. Is they told people who wanted a PS3 that, well, if you can't afford it, you just need to get another job. Yeah. But I think it is. And I think in the customer experience portion, you know, so like the service offerings, PlayStation Plus. And some of their other things, they're, they've let the success go to their head where they're not innovating. Which is, I think, where things are going to eventually slip for them, right? Like, right now, they have so much of a lead. They don't care, because they already have this many consoles out there. They already have this attach rate. It's, for them, this, this generation has already gone to the bank,
1: right? Yeah, they're, they're looking forward to the next one. So, like you said, the services are about the only place you can really not Sony because the the online functionality to me has always felt kind of clanky and weak. And then you also have what you said with, well, we haven't got to that yet, but, you know, PlayStation Plus now being paid for where it was free on the PS3 did alleviate and help some of the issues that the PlayStation Plus had on the, the PS3.
0: Right, So we've I feel like though we've finally just started seeing some of those improvements that Sony was promising when they were like, you're gonna pay for plus, but that's because we want to support this infrastructure. We want to make it better for you. But I feel like for a long time, a lot of people were like, what are we paying for, right? You get the, you get the games every month, which is awesome. That was really cool when they did it, but it stopped being as cool when one everybody else was doing it. And two, that you still had problems with just the basic infrastructure, right?
1: Right. So that's
0: where I think there's going to be some interesting things that happen. But Sony did, you know, in this generation, be the one to embrace VR, right? They went all in on the PSVR, and they didn't give up on it, right? Like, they didn't pull a PlayStation Move or Book or anything and reveal it and then just,
1: just kind of let it, it fizzle away. <laughs> Yeah, they've kept plugging at VR, which, I mean, for you yourself, you say it's amazing. VR is not something that moves the needle for me in the slightest, but they've had the PSVR has sold really well. So it's an area that they want to keep pushing and keep developing. You're definitely see developers, especially when you have stuff like the Oculus and, and things like that, that make it really easy for VR games over to this console that I think you'll continue to see the support as long as there's developers developing. Yeah,
0: as long as the games are selling, which, you know, they are, and you're seeing several games, you know, where PSVR is probably, you know, ruling out, obviously, we're ruling out any of the um, headsets that are just, you know, pop your phone in, right? Of the big headsets, the Oculus, the HTC Vive, and the PSVR, the PSVR is on the lower end, right? It's the more um i guess cost effective option because if you already have a ps4 which a lot of people do like we were just talking about all you need to do is buy this vr headset plug it in and go unlike if you have a pc or you don't have a pc and you want to get an oculus rift right think about all the things you have to buy you need to buy the headset you need to buy the controllers the cameras to track and you also need to make sure your computer has the right hardware to run this so you're looking at a few thousand dollars when said and done. So I think what yeah, PS4 did I was though was say, make it easy to get into VR, right?
1: You could get you could get VR ready PC for about fifty it's it's for, not a couple thousand. But like Right. Like right.
0: I'd say at the point where the VR. PSV when the PSVR came out though, that's yeah. where you were. Like this is how much you would have to spend to get the PS4 going and get VR, but at that time with PC you would have to spend, you know, yeah. at least $1,000,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, you're still cheaper with the PSVR, but it's right. the huge difference some people made it out
0: to. Yeah, um, no, I mean, it, a lot of it
1: was definitely exaggerated, right? The biggest thing that Sony, and I really feel other than their amazing income when they announced the PS4, their first party games have been killing it um all the way back to launch. Now, with launch, you had a lot of remasters of late PS3 titles. And this is where you've played a lot more of these than me so many. Yeah, really right. So digital. you had the,
0: you know, you had all those remasters come out, right? Like you had The Last of Us come out HDified, okay. but yeah. As they've, you know, gone on with their first party, I think the first, the worry was originally right was that oh, all we're getting are all these remasters. We don't want this, but as they got time, right? Sony started pumping out things like, you know, even recently, right? God of War and Spider-Man, which is one of the best selling games of all time, you know, right? So they've really, they've taken, they've made you have a reason to get a PS4, even with some of the downsides, or if your friends aren't on PS4, you still want a PS4 because you want to play Spider-Man. You want to play God of War. You want to play The Last of Us, right? You still have a reason to be in the Sony ecosystem. And that's where right. I think they get you, right? Cuz you're like, well, I want these games. This is the only place to play it. So this is what I'm going with,
1: right? The only launch game that was really bad was that. That game was all. Nobody liked that game.
0: No, yeah, and that's where, you know, it was pretty rough, right? I think at first, but not many consoles, you know, in the past few generations right, come out with too strong of a uh, of a uh, launch title. I think this next generation, we're going to see some probably really strong launch titles, but I think they're just getting to the point where it's a little bit easier for them to understand how they have to develop for these consoles. You're not having these weird um, system architectures like you did back with the PS3 and the Xbox 360. All of a sudden the PS4 and the
1: Xbox are more just like, a, you know, a simplified PC, right? Right. It, it's a, I don't want to say bare bones, because they're still pretty potent systems, but all of it's about the same nowadays.
0: Which means then, hopefully, in the next generation, argument about backwards compatibility just goes away, right? Because there should be almost no reason that you can't play a PS4 game on whatever comes out next. Which was, I think, the biggest uh, point of anger from the internet, right, when these both these consoles came out, is that you couldn't play your old games again?
1: Correct. And uh, uh, that's a that's a completely another, another story. Right,
0: and I feel, yeah, but simply put, a lot of people think they want to play those old games, and then they actually play them. And I and, think yeah. the uh, uh, rose-colored glasses, right? Looking Correct. back at the old games. But, I mean, I guess to wrap up the PS4, right, they knocked out the launch, they knocked out first-party games. They're, they're the one they're console that's providing
1: VR. Yeah, they are they started strong, but they seem to be coasting into the finish of the console cycle.
0: Right, now they're just coasting, so...
1: Yeah. Let's no, go to this next to one, say, I think... Well, go ahead, we're, sorry. We're just wrapping that up. Not to say that they're still not releasing quality titles, but it's it doesn't seem like there's anything new happening at Sony. It's just, hey, here's, here's dad and boy, and here's Spider-Man, you know...
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, we know what works, we're going to keep going with that, and anything new is a ways away, right?
1: That's the way I feel.
0: Yeah, I, I see what you mean there. But um, yeah. So, on to this next one, which I think has had a much more complicated um, story this generation. I'll let you take the reins here.
1: Okay, yes, uh, the Xbox One, the most hated console I think I've ever had in the Pleasure of trying to sell. They, as we've stated in the in the previous when we're talking about PS4, the start for this console was horrible. The backlash for saying that you needed to have an internet connection and and all these things was just vile. How quick and how how it came back. So much. They they stuck
0: around for so long, right? Like even after Microsoft backed off a lot of these things, so many people still had that impression that oh, well. I need to have an internet connection all the time, right? Like there was still like there was a stigma, and it stuck for the longest
1: time. I feel like it did, and I think the only thing that stopped it from sticking was realizing that when the PS4 came out, that you had to have internet to start the PS4 up.
0: Right, exactly. It's so like a lot like, of these concerns that were the the biggest yeah, deal ever.
1: They were, were on. They were on they both were there. consoles. They were just yeah. presented differently. But it,
0: you, it's all in the marketing, right?
1: Correct. Correct. Um, And and that was awful. So the biggest thing after that, Xbox actually got a new marketing manager, and then you saw a shift. I've always thought that Xbox, mostly because Microsoft has had so much experience in the online world and with computer architecture, I've always thought their interface for the party chat, for the invite list, all that stuff, I've always felt, felt was smoother and cleaner. Than what oh you saw absolutely on the playstation 4 um, well
0: i mean simply put microsoft is a software company that was providing you with hardware but sony's a, a hardware company traditionally right so that's where you see like maybe a little bit of weirdness in the sony software but the xbox everything just feels simplified and streamlined right
1: and it works, I guess. Yeah, exactly. The big difference is, like we said, if Sony is coasting to the finish line, Xbox is sprinting. To the, they're trying to close the gap. They know there's no way they're going to close that sales gap. So it seems like a lot of what they're doing now is prepping them for the future of gaming. Um, they've just released a subscription service. Now, granted, it's in addition to the Xbox Live cost. It's 9.99 dollars a month called Game Pass. But think of it like Netflix for games. You have almost all of Microsoft's first-party titles coming out there on launch day, giving you access to play them for that nine ninety-nine,
0: Which is, I think, just... I mean, this is a thing that I think you remember. This is what, I think, shifted me over to uh, Team Xbox here as of late, because... This just blew my mind. I remember the first time I read the article losing it and just
1: immediately texting you. Which, Sony offers a streaming service similar to Game Pass, but I'll let you talk about PlayStation Now.
0: Right, so PlayStation Now is a great idea with poor execution on the marketing side, right? So
1: Too expensive. They, too, expensive too expensive,
0: one, right? So price point was is is confusing and expensive, and there's like... No real good way to get it and feel like you're getting the good value, I feel. The experience of it is pretty cool. It works It works well when I've used the trial, right? But they also, all of a sudden, right when they launched, they spread themselves pretty thin, right? They put it on everything. It was on TVs. It was on all these different uh, platforms besides being just part of the PS4, right? They wanted to just see how many people they could get into this ecosystem, they did all that work, right? They did all that front loading, and then since then, they've just removed support for all of that. It's all gone now. So you can only get to it on a PS4, as far as I know. That's it. Um, but it's too expensive, and because it's so expensive, you know, it it becomes unattractive for somebody who already has, you know, maybe a PS3 sitting around, or just buys games used, or when they go on sale. Um, but really, with Game Pass, right? You're talking about that 9.99 price point, and it goes on sale pretty often, right? So if you
1: yeah, where you can get a couple months for you know 14 and things like that. Yeah, but exactly. Th- a prime example of the value of this is when uh, recently when Forza Horizon 4 launched, it launched on Game Pass, so you could play it the day it came out. For the nine ninety nine 99 a month. So, yeah. So, instead of you spending know, and- $60 every month for a game, you spend $60 in a six month time period and you're getting multiple games. Because they've released yeah, exactly CD this way, they released State of Decay 2 this way, Forza Horizon 4, the next, um, Crackdown 3 will be the next title that comes out that yep, way.
0: That's going to be the next big one. And I think it also gives a chance it might have a rough start, right? So Sea of Thieves, rough start. you know, It yep. was not as much of a you know built-out world as people expected, but it got people in there, people got to try it, and then also... I mean, not, maybe not the case with everybody. Maybe some people tried it and then turned it off, but in this example, maybe some people tried it and then are like, well, I'll see how this goes in the next few months, and they've released expansion after expansion after expansion, and it's totally different now than what,
1: what Yeah, But, but again, kind of like what you said, they didn't spend $60 on a game they may not like. They're not exactly. stuck with it. So for $10 a month, you at least got to try it, which is not something I think a lot of people would have done if they didn't have that option.
0: No, because the moment the reviews came out, just nobody would have gone to get it, right? It would have been
1: uh, just a flop,
0: right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: But so so continuing on, um, another thing with Game Pass I've enjoyed is, or well, not necessarily Game Pass, but pretty much any Microsoft first-party title that's come out in the past two years has what they're calling play anywhere, which means you can play them from your PC as well. And I
0: think that's like truly the future, right?
1: Just yes. And you, you is,
0: don't and we're going to talk about that more, right? But you don't need yeah. to be limited to where you're playing, but you're in the Microsoft ecosystem. You know, so yeah. they shouldn't care or need to care where you're playing it.
1: Right? The fact that I mean, for myself especially, I am a big fan of the Forza series. I mean, I drop serious money on a wheel, on a steering column. The Xbox just doesn't have the same customization and settings you can do for a wheel that the PC does. But I can now hook my wheel up to my PC, play Forza 7 with my friends, most of them still playing on Xbox. And there's no issue. Uh, You can do that with Forza, Gears of War, get the Microsoft version of Arc so many games that that implement this that just it's amazing um I've had friends come over where I'm sitting at my PC and I'll we'll play Minecraft together me sitting on the PC and my friends using my Xbox to play it on the TV so it's Yeah just, so you just
0: made me realize something I, I I didn't even know that you could cross party like that right like if I was on my Xbox One X and you were on your PC playing four, so we could still play in the same lobby together? Yes. Oh, yeah, I had no idea about that. That's really cool. That's I thought it was limited, right? I thought you could play with I didn't think you could actually, you know, cross platform in that way, but that's that's pretty awesome.
1: Oh yeah, you can. <laughs> and that brings me to my next point. Cross platforming. Microsoft has been on the I think the forefront. Of cross-platforming uh, from that standpoint, PC to Xbox. Now there are a lot of PS3, uh, there PS4 titles that'll go PS4 to um, PC. And right, we'll, very we'll get, few. Yeah, we'll get more into the cross-platform something we want to we we'll speak on more in depth later. But like I just mentioned, you know, Forza Seven playing it on PC, playing it on Xbox. Um, vice versa, Microsoft seems to have been much more willing to say, "Hey, PC play, cool. You know, it's cool that you're playing with our guys, and vice versa." So it's opened up a lot more. Yeah, I mean, player base.
0: They even joined hand with, hands with Nintendo, right, to push that cross-platform play. Which yes. and so another thing has with
1: finally, has yes, finally caved, Sony's but,
0: finally caving in, right? But at first, yeah. they were kind of it was pretty bad right they were giving yeah. just horrific explanations as to why it wouldn't work and just right. really right. really bad explanations that as somebody who works in the tech industry could just literally read through it as just you know corporate excuses right it it didn't seem like anything that would make any kind of sense they just kind of put together an excuse for we don't want to do this. We don't feel like we have to do this. Was kind of the vibe you got,
1: right? For me, it doesn't matter which company. is say that it just felt like excuses. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And it doesn't
0: matter, you know, whichever one it was, right? It just it's just an excuse, yeah. right?
1: And I think at the time of this recording, there are only two games that are fully cross-platform: uh, Rocket League and Fortnite. Rocket League and Fortnite. Yep. That can be played on any console and played against other consoles at this point. And that was just
0: kicking and screaming for for most of the time for that to even get there.
1: Yes. Yes, it was. (laughs) And the other misstep that Microsoft has had is it has had horrid first-party support, whereas you've had Sony killing it with games like God of War and Spider-Man and basically anything Sony has made
0: horizon until dawn
1: yes that's that's (laughs) that's the one i was trying to recognize yeah horizon um, uncharted i could not tell you other than the forza series because i'm a huge fan of Forza. a solid first party title that xbox had like forza and gears are the only two that come to mind to me that have been genuinely awesome first party experience for xbox
0: Right. And that's where I think getting the, you know, the, you know, things to kind of reel people in, right, with the Game Pass and I guess the better experience overall is kind of, you know, where Microsoft is pushing, right? And then with the Xbox One X coming out, that's something we didn't even talk about with the mid, you know, uh, mid-life cycle refresh of both the PS4 and the Xbox, right, with the PS4 Pro coming out and then the Xbox One X coming out a little bit after right right that i think made it so especially with the xbox one x being you know easily touted by everybody in you know game journalism and the tech industry as the most powerful console so it became that the xbox one x is going to be the best place to play any of these games that are even cross-platform right so if you want red dead redemption 2 It is significantly better on the Xbox One X than any other platform, right, than the PS4, really the only platform it's on. But it was such a difference that, you know, myself and other people I've known have bought an Xbox One X just because the experience of playing these cross-platform games has now become better on the Xbox One when before, you know, that was always thought to be the PS4, right?
1: I mean, when you're looking at the base version of the PS4, the PS4 is the better of the base version from a hardware standpoint, but when you get to, like you said, the midlife cycle upgrades, the Xbox One X is is definitely the winner from a power standpoint, again. And even even Sony's come out and said that I think the biggest issue is Xbox hasn't done anything to show off how much better the One X is in a first-party game yet.
0: No, not in a first-party. I mean obviously like i said in red dead redemption it got shown off just because for some reason it's so much better um and i think that's like microsoft's only um way to tout that right is to market red dead redemption too. is that you know it's the best place to play it is on xbox but no they haven't done that enough with no. their first party um their first party products but I mean I do see that they're looking to the future on this, right? I don't know how much of attention you've been paying to this, but I've seen how many different studios they've been acquiring in the past few years. Um, or just even in the past like six months or so, right? So I think give they're me gearing up.
1: Or give me death.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> but they're gearing up, hopefully, though. We saw this before, right? With the three sixty where they bought a ton of studios and then
1: a lot of those studios just Got shut well, down. I, I think I think, 360, I think at the time of three sixty I think at the time of three sixty what you're talking about, that a bunch of studios were getting bought up by everybody, not just and oh yeah, was it wasn't exclusive to is,
0: Microsoft, right?
1: Is these studios made one great game and wanted to make more, but when you you're sitting there with a development team and no ideas are coming out of it, instead of continuing to waste money, there's like we're buying you out, we're taking your IPs, we don't need you anymore. This is all going yeah. in the house.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know that's
1: yeah. EA that's, did that the worst. EA was the one that ruined a lot of game studios doing that.
0: Right. Yeah. No. I mean, they took a lot of studios that I think could have provided you know quality games with the right amount of time, right? Or yeah, the right BioLare. resources. Or, right. Exactly. I mean, but I think you know my hope is that they 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 are learning from some of these mistakes that happened in the past, and that we're going to get some. They're going to give these studios time to push out quality games and, you know, use them to their proper potential instead of rolling them into, you know, making map packs for some Call of Duty or something. Right.
1: Right. <laughs> but, but so to wrap up what well, we've been talking about the Xbox One here, rocky start, horrid first-party support, but embracing cross-platform, embracing streaming, or, sorry, subscription based gaming service making the step forward to be ready for the future so and as, as we said comparing all these it's hard to put Nintendo in a category because they just they they move to their own drum beat yeah really Nintendo's
0: kind of always gonna just do their own thing right yeah
1: they're Nintendo not Nintendo gonna Nintendo
0: yeah they know that they're not gonna sell ps4 numbers as far as consoles right but they're gonna see. do their thing and they're gonna make money.
1: You know yes um, yeah the p s four started strong, has seemingly rested on its or on its hardware loyals and infrastructure, not really doing anything moving there, but still releasing amazing first party titles.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think you know it's been more than enough to keep them keep them going, but my my worry is I think you know that's going to probably come to a head right, depending on how they position the p s five whatever they call it, right?
1: Yeah, wh- whatever happens that, next.
0: If they come out with a PS3-style or an Xbox One-style reveal yeah. of that, of we're so good, you're going to buy this anyway, we don't even need to show you anything, then
1: you know, you're going to yeah. see another, another shift, right? I, I think so. And I think, speaking, of, speaking of shifts, let's right. go ahead and segue. The gap between PC gaming and console gaming has gotten smaller and smaller especially with this console cycle
0: oh yeah i feel like this console cycle also i don't know it felt like it started making pc game more accessible to a lot more people because while the, console gaming got simpler
1: points, right well, the price points when these consoles launched you were looking at four to five hundred dollars you can get a low-end pc for that price.
0: yeah or you can certainly build yourself a low-end pc for that yes
1: yeah. Um, or exactly. even
0: a, on par PC, right? I, I think I remember seeing people release, here are the specs of the PS4, and here's how you build yourself a PC that's going to
1: give you under, the like, same
0: amount of power for under, for under you know.
1: Yeah, like 800 bucks or something yeah. like that. And there's just a lot more variety on PC, and I think that's right. that's what is, that is what's drawing people more to PC. Consoles are really getting to the point where, hey, here's a first-person first shooter game. Here's a battle royale game. Here's your occasional sports game. Yeah, exactly. You're and not getting anything new or groundbreaking on
0: console. Right, right, because it's there's it a lot of a larger barrier to entry for developers, especially when you're developing for a console, right? So, you know, as somebody who's researched a lot of this stuff and looked into it, it's like you have to get a dev kit for the console. That costs so much money. You have to get a license to develop on that console. That costs so much money in publishing. So it's like all these... Barriers to entry for smaller studios, being able to get into, you know, the Xbox or PlayStation Four um, marketplace. I think that's why it drives so many people towards really or smaller games, but still really good games on PC through a lot of the much easier ways to distribute a game. Right. 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 So, and that's where I think you know we saw this. Top, right of the whole steam box concept where Steam was gonna make PCs that
1: Yeah, make um, PCs that can only do Steam things.
0: They can only do Steam things and we're gonna be simple and we're basically gonna be a console and that kind of came and went in the blink of an eye, right?
1: But Yeah, I think the issue was when you when you use the word PC and use the word console, you can't use them in the same sense. Um, right, right. Because console gamers, like like you just Console g- gamers, are a lot of them are still intimidated by the idea of PC. They don't see the yeah. point in PC. And PC gamers, if you compare anything on PC, saying, oh, it's better than console. No, PC is Master Race, and all other right. games are invalid. Right, so, right. And I mean, there's
0: people who legitimately... You know, what pushed me away from PC gaming for a period of time was just the random complications you would run into, right? When things were a lot less compatible... It was just always a, a struggle, right, to get a lot of things working.
1: And I mean, I, I still have some issues, but it's just yeah. Where the issues I have are with certain games, and it's not necessarily a PC exclusive issue. It's just like I know there's certain games where if an update comes out and I'm having problems running it. I've got to wait till the next update comes out. Right. I, I
0: mean, you're still some issues. PC's get a bad port of a game, and then you're kind of just stuck with it, and that's where. I the PC gaming industry needs to evolve still because that just is going to keep pushing people away from it, right? It's gonna, it's just that's too intimidating or that's too much of a hassle. I don't want to deal with that. I just want to turn on my system and play a game.
1: Yeah, because I don't have time to sit here and try to figure out 17 different ways to troubleshoot. Just, yeah, you know, exactly.
0: I mean, that that's for me. With limited time to play and spending all day figuring out other computer issues, the last thing I want to do is figure out why, you know monster hunters not working on my computer i'm just not going to play it <laughs> you know it's just not worth it at that point right but i think that gap keeps shrinking right and i think we're going to get to a point where
1: it's going to be seamless I, I would hope so i would hope so yeah, I would hope yeah and that kind of leads leads to us to how rapidly the gaming industry is changing um, you think back to, I think you've mentioned it to the Xbox 360. Everything was still, you go to the store, you get a disc, you take it home, you play your game. A lot of things now have moved into the digital era. It's, you know, making a digital purchase, downloading the, having the rights to the games, so you can download it on any console you own. Um, digital sales is the way everything is moving. You're seeing brick and mortar. Really feel the hit of digital sales now, because Right, and they're having to, to.
0: They're having to pivot, right? Because yeah, like yeah. I think you're about to say is nobody's coming in to buy a game, especially PC games are just they don't exist in stores.
1: Mm-hmm, right? hardly any.
0: I mean, they're. I sometimes see them at like Target.
1: Yeah. Right? And when it um, comes to these digital marketplaces, you have so many so many venues and avenues i mean of course the big one is steam um ea has its own in origin you have you right. play for ubisoft uh you have the epic store for i don't know why epic has a store when the only game people are getting right now is Fortnite.
0: right but they're putting a ton of other things on there so like for example epic just got uh journey which was a sony exclusive forever that's now going to the Epic store. It's never been released on anything else, but all of a sudden Epic is trying to not just,
1: um, they're also getting one 2.
0: game, right? They're getting a ton of games that are coming there because they're, I think pushing, right. A different, um, revenue sharing policy with developers than the big player steam. and Origin really only worries about EA games, but maybe not so much. Um, anymore or soon to come we'll see some differences there but that's a different topic but i think with you know epic they're saying you know in 2018 and discord also right is is starting to store um and they were the ones i think that went along with epic they were like it doesn't cost 30 percent of the revenue to distribute games anymore i mean and i'm sure every developer wants to get behind that right they they right. Want more of their profit. It
1: costs thirty percent to run the Steam cell. That's that's where. Yeah. Where, yeah. Exactly. Where they're digging deep there. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you ha- you have those the, all those players coming in, um, and then of course you've got the the old standards there: the PlayStation Store, the Xbox Store, and the eShop um, for Nintendo. But we already know those. There's, that's money going straight into said developers' pockets, and also the in, in theory, sometimes it's going straight to the people who made the console as well when you're buying these first party titles digital.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Um, one thing I would say about this rise in digital content purchases that bothers me, and we've seen it increase steadily since horse armor came out in oblivion, is how many either I don't want I don't know if you want to call them DLC or microtransactions that come out with games. That are just, sometimes games hide important things behind these DLC transactions, but in other times you have stuff like Overwatch where it's like, oh hey, we we have loot boxes in our game, do you want to buy 50 of them for $50? Right, (laughs) Instead of playing the game? Yeah. Um, Oh, you want this really cool skin? Well, that's going to be $7.50 in real money to get (sighs) something in a video game, and we're not going to give you a way to unlock it otherwise. And this isn't really even... You it's, in to, it's, it's in everything.
0: It's in everything. I mean, it's in, everything, you know... No. In Madden, you have Madden Ultimate Team where there are literally streams on Twitch where people are just opening Ultimate Team packs. That's it.
1: Yeah, and, and to get an Ultimate Team pack, you can either play the game for freaking three days to get the gold in-game to right. buy one pack, or you're having to open your wallet to get Ultimate
0: Team Yeah, packs, or you're spending just... money. And there are some packs they won't even sell you the in-game currency that you can earn.
1: So right, you, you have to buy them with money. So
0: some of them you know. don't have a choice. You just you got to buy this with their whatever their currency is called.
1: Yeah, and I I really feel like that's uh, that's a gripe I have with the rise in this digital content. Because everybody knows people are willing to buy the games digitally. If you'll buy a game digitally, you'll buy other things to go with the game digitally. If we make it easy for you to access, we know you're going to spend money. So we have all we have all these places we can digitally download games. And you now see a drastic rise in free-to-play games. And sometimes these free-to-play games are what I like to call pay-to-win games.
0: Obviously, we've had free-to-play for a long time, but I feel like they've shifted into, like, I guess, a whole other monster, right?
1: Yeah, it seems like everything is like wanting to be free-to-play and then wanting to make their money back in these right. microtransactions. because
0: one... About. One company did it and struck gold,
1: right yeah <laughs> ah, here we go, so everybody will now understand that I truly despise the game fortnite, and let me let me state this: I hate the fortnite Battle royale mode, and honestly, at this point, I'm getting sick and tired of battle royale games in general it's it,
0: It's in everything and it's still coming.
1: Yeah, it started with, was it H1Z1, which was a, a DayZ mod for Arma? Yeah. That's Arma where it 3. started. And then the guy who created that mod for Alma releases PUBG, which I still play from time to time. It's my favorite of the Battle Royale games, but it's not all play that battle royale game then leads into games you know you had fortnite had its mode where what was fortnite save the world where you would build
0: yeah it was fortnite's like pve save the world and their whole thing they were going to come out as a play for that pve right you could buy because i remember lana did this my wife did this where you could buy the founders pack right and you would get access to the pve and that was you know kind of Chug it along, right? It wasn't getting a ton of attention. But then
1: they, they all of their a sudden
0: release their battle
1: royale mode. Yeah. And it
0: catches on like nothing I've seen in a really long time.
1: Yeah, it it catches on like gangbusters. It's absolutely insane. Um It's not necessarily a big victim of the pay to win, but just watching this culture and how you'll see kids with their, you know, see kids g- Oh, you don't have that skin. You're playing as a no skin. This, that, and the other. Just right. stuff I'd see. It, it, the salt. It creates I have towards this game. It creates a very
0: there's a toxic. Atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Yep. There's a toxic so, atmosphere around it, and it's it's come to the point where it's it. I guess it kind of ruins some of the fun in playing the game because I don't think the game is bad, but I think the community is not the greatest place. Right, which is where a lot of free to play games get just ruined
1: right His yes the, a lot of free-to-play games it's the community if you didn't get in the game on the ground where you're not playing at every the fleet the free-to-play community can just be brutal
0: oh yeah if you're not um, playing eight hours and you're not yeah. perfect at this game you're just gonna get you know flamed the moment you get on there and make one mistake
1: right right but because of the popularity of uh the free-to-play format with these battle royale games Every, like you said earlier, every game has to have a battle royale mode. Every game has to have skins that you can buy and spend money and have in-game transactions. I'm okay with a game like Fortnite having in-game transactions because I didn't pay for the game. But right, you right. Have so Call of Duty dropping blackout mode, but in order right. to get these skins, you have to spend money after you've already spent sixty dollars on the game. Yeah, and I think no, <sighs>
0: stop, one thing please. one thing they did really wrong about that. I think it's just real uh kind of shitty the way they did it honestly is that they released the game released it with the battle royale and they've only just started trickling in microtransaction portions of it um it's like they didn't have a fully fleshed out battle royale mode and they didn't have much of a marketplace but now it's starting to trickle in right and you're seeing more things pop up
1: that on what you
0: have to spend money on 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 call of duty
1: um, oh, well, it's not really a trickle effect. They do all of their microtransaction stuff in like a season setup. So it's like this. It'll be like, oh, this season we have this stuff available. Next season we'll have this stuff available. Right. But so it's it, starting
0: to become pretty obvious that this is going to get filled with microtransactions.
1: Well, I mean, all of the past Call of Duties. The only advantage that I'll give, give like I said... Fortnite is sheerly cosmetic, so you're just creating a toxic atmosphere with that, but it's when Call of Duty starts releasing guns hidden behind, hidden behind paywalls that it becomes an issue, and that's usually when I stop playing. I'll be the first one to tell you, I usually buy Call of Duty every year waited wait until on sale, and I thought it was a really great game, but it's not one that I have the urge to pick up every day and play like some of the older ones were. Right, so it's kind of
0: just that moment is causing a lot of burnout, right? Because it's in everything, right? And it's still coming to other things, right? And yeah. Redemption too. Uh,
1: I don't want, I don't want it in Red Dead, but whatever, it's going to come, and we have to deal with it. You're going to have it in Battlefield Five as well. It's right anywhere and everywhere it can be, it's going to be. So yeah,
0: and I blame it on right. You know, it it struck gold, right? So then everybody's writing articles about it, so corporate it, marketing heads are seeing it. This is getting down to the developers and it's like you have to put in a battle royale mode.
1: Go. Yeah, making they're making a lot of money and they didn't charge any games. So we're gonna charge people for the game and put stuff like this in it so that we can make even more money.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so I that's think very that's frustrating. Right. And it's it's a troubling direction, but also I, I think it's another thing that'll fizzle out here in a few years and then we'll have something else, right? I
1: can only hope.
0: I would hope. I mean, though, this has kind of stuck on,
1: right? Way longer than I wanted it to. I
0: think Fortnite's in season seven now.
1: Well, I also think Fortnite killed Twitch, but another story for another day.
0: That's a whole other topic, <laughs> but I think it did too. Yeah, I'd, yeah, we could we could talk about that one, but uh, if we want to move on to what I think the next topic,
1: uh, yeah, the the way the way we want to present this kind of. Kind of ratting we're not wrapping it up. We're moving to okay. So the future of gaming definitely looks to be more of the subscription based gaming service. Because the days of people wanting to go out and drop sixty dollars on a game they may or may not like are kind of gone. But people who pay games are usually more than to be like, ah, I'll throw a couple bucks to this service because we're already doing it with Netflix and everything else for watching television. So why so why not add another one in there so that a variety of games on demand so to speak
0: right exactly i mean everything's gone streaming and you know on demand kind of culture right like i want to play this game now but i don't necessarily want to pay full price for this game i just want it available to me just like i want to watch this movie uh but i'm not gonna go buy the blu-ray right or i'm not gonna pay for the digital version right i just watch it oh it's on netflix okay you know so and that's where i think like we talked about it game pass is the netflix of gaming right now i think um even though it's you know it's limited right it's mainly you know a lot of microsoft titles but there are some third-party titles that are getting in there and microsoft's making deals with these third-party developers to get their games in game pass and showing them the benefits to being in game pass right especially for you know, a game that might have a lot of iterations to it, a lot of add on, um, add-ons or new content getting released, especially if it's a large multiplayer experience.
1: Between all the ones that we have, Game Pass, we're calling it the Netflix of Gaming. Mean, it works on Xbox and on PC. There's just a few of those titles that come across both. Right. PS, PSN Now we talked about it's just a little too expensive. And I think you made this point to me in a conversation we had previously. If you've got a PS3 sitting around, you can play pretty much everything on PlayStation Now on your PS3. And
0: and all those games are incredibly cheap now. You can just go pick them up.
1: Right. The one that killed me is I remember when I was Final Fantasy XIII. If you wanted to rent it through PS Now, you're either spending $20 a month to be able to play it on PS Now. Yeah. Or you're paying two ninety or what? Not two ninety-nine. You're paying like twelve ninety-nine to rent it for seven days, and you could walk into a GameStop and buy it for like four. Days. Right, exactly. Like, I mean, that, there's just, there just no awareness.
0: That's where I think that this could be amazing for Sony. And every time they have a press conference, I hope that they do this, and they haven't done it yet. I, I just want them to pull it into a tier of PlayStation Plus. Right. Just add on a certain amount of money. To the PlayStation Plus subscription, and say that you get, you know, maybe it's not even unlimited access to PS Now. But maybe it's you get three games a month, you know, on PS Now or whatever. Figure out some way to roll it into PlayStation Plus, because I think that's the only way you get a user base in there. Because I think they're marketing to a really small group of people who want to play PS3 games or some PS4 games on demand, but you know, either don't have the PS3 anymore or don't want to be buying games on a regular basis, but you're spending more getting PS now than you would on just buying these games, and that's where it just doesn't make financial sense, right?
1: Correct. And then... Uh, and the new player in the game, and the one right. that I think is killing it, is yes. EA Origin slash Premiere is kind of how you have to phrase it. So EA has offered a program on PC and on Xbox called Origin where you get an access to or is a
0: Origin PC. access, right? An EA yeah, access
1: on the consoles. EA, correct. Origin yeah. access on PC, EA access on console. Yes. You get access to a select of games, which at the time it released, the vault included the newest Madden, the newest FIFA, the newest NHL, the newest NBA. Um, battle. I want to say Battlefield 4 was part of it when it first came yep. out. Yep. So you had all these titles where if you just bought a system, you get EA access, and then you have a decent library to play through.
0: Yeah, and this was—I mean—part of the because this was only on uh, Xbox, right? Um, as far as consoles, this was one of the reasons I bought an Xbox One. first iteration of the Xbox One, was because of EA access, because I enjoy these sports games. Ben and I would play them, and he was on Xbox, right? but it made it a lot easier to jump into that console that I could just pay for this service, which was, what, $30 or a little bit less for the whole year? Correct. At the time that it started. It was um, like
1: 5 a month or 30 a year, so you found out right. which one was the better deal.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then, so they had EA Access, right? And that was going great for a little bit, and it I feel like it started to kind of dwindle in quality or, like,
1: it's it's dropped in quality now. Right. And I think the only reason we feel like it's dropped in quality is because EA turned around and for PC gaming released what they call Origin Premier Access.
0: Right. It's so this was like, like the point where you know we were like you know not many things were coming to EA Access, right? And then all of a yeah. sudden they dropped this, and this is where I think what they were spending time on, right?
1: Correct. And if you haven't heard of um, Origin Premier Access on PC, through their Origin Marketplace. It can be $14.99 a month, or $100 for the entire year. You are getting day one access to every EA title that drops when you're signed up. So, Right. It, oh, sorry, it's not even day one access, it's seven day early access. You're getting access, it early, yeah. That's, that's early what I was going to
0: say. Is like, hadn't, you know, for example, for us, Madness a huge thing. We had that. A week early,
1: right? Yes, we have we have Madden a week early. Uh, so for just this year alone, Madden and Battlefield Five, there's hundred and twenty dollars in games right there. That, bam! I spent a hundred dollars for a whole year. Got to play both of those. Uh, Titanfall Two was on there. Was another one I put. In yep. to FIFA nineteen was on there. Another one that's gotten a decent amount of play time. Um, but really, I'm excited because going into the future, we have Anthem. Coming out next year, and I'll be signed up for EA Access. So I'll get Anthem when it comes out as well. Oh,
0: yeah. So, also with Origin Premier Access, you're getting kind of a sprinkle in of some of their smaller studio games as well, right? Like Unravel 2 was on there. And then just recently, they all of a sudden dropped Darksiders 3, which is a big surprise because it seems like all of a sudden we're getting some third party support on Origin Premier service correct so i think that's a big deal cuz i think that means that we're going to see this move beyond a service for people who enjoy ea games which that is a very polarizing topic right in gaming but a service for a lot more than just this is not just for ea games right this is for your
1: premier you know pc gaming catalog so that kind of sums up where we're at in gaming now i think as we've seen from top to bottom Consoles need to just make sure they are focused on continuing their improvement. The digital marketplace has begun to take over, and there are plenty of areas for you to purchase digitally from. It's finding which way you're going to go based on your console PC preferences, whichever one that is. The trend we have now of free-to-play games with a ton of microtransactions, thanks to Fortnite. Fortnite. and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fortnite. Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> and now you have subscription based gaming which we're starting to see gain a little bit more prevalence with PS Now Game Pass and EA Origin Premier Access
0: and i think this subscription gaming will slowly kind of inch its way into i think the real real future of gaming and i think
1: that's going to be streaming so i'm glad you said that because that is going to lead us to our closing topic today and where we see the future of gaming and things we miss about the old days of gaming. So since you've mentioned streaming, go ahead. Right.
0: So this is something I think is gonna be really cool and I've been really excited about for a while now, is the idea of eliminating the need for the hardware because that hardware can be in a server room, you know, in a server facility, you know, thousands of miles, hundreds of miles away, whatever it is. And with internet access becoming more and more available, obviously you still have pockets in the Midwest, and we're just talking about the U.S. here because that's our perspective, so sorry. The EU has a much better internet backbone than we do anyway, so that's probably even less of a concern for them. But in the U.S., you still have pockets of spotty internet sections. There's places in the Midwest, I know, where you do not get good internet. But as that changes and as that...
1: There's places in North Georgia where you do not get good internet.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's places all over where you still have problems, but it is getting better slowly, even you're in northern Georgia, and
1: you've got better internet now. Um, I'm one of the lucky few. You are,
0: yeah. So it's getting to the point where you don't need to have hardware. You just need a good internet connection, right? And then you don't have to be tied to a PC or a console. You could be on your phone. You could be on your tablet. You could be on a browser on your TV. Um, Google just did a pilot of this with Project Stream, where they allowed you to sign up for their beta and stream the newest Assassin's Creed game. And I spent a few hours playing with that. And it was pretty incredible that as long as I had a decent internet connection, I was able to play the game and it felt like I was just playing the game natively on my PC. But it looked a lot better than it would on my current PC or just about on par with just a few little you know, hiccups here and there because it's new technology. But I know a lot of hype is starting to build up around this, right? There's talks people think Microsoft's building a streaming console. There's talks of, you know, Google getting into this and also Amazon getting into this. And, you know, everybody's going to start jumping into the game streaming service, right?
1: Well, maybe half of Amazon's going to get in on this
0: Right, maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's
0: a good point. <laughs>
1: but... Um- but yeah, no. this, streaming definitely leads to, the, I think, the next thing. I think PC gaming will be the way it all goes in the future, just because of the way the architecture is starting to be built.
0: Right. You're you're starting to just, you know, the companies have finally realized they are gone to a point where it makes more sense to basically build a small
1: PC with their software on top of it. How about this? the end of physical disc and card it's been brewing for a while
0: it's been brewing for a while and and the physical retailers right have kind of clawed to keep this market a thing and i think slowly people are starting to realize right that it used to be like yeah it's great you can buy your game on disc and not worry about filling up your hard drive like back with the xbox 360
1: right you could play the game off the disc
0: yeah, for the most not, part.
1: That's not the way Blu-rays are working
0: anymore. That's not the way Blu-rays work. So right now a lot of people can like that misconception or that idea that things were going to stay the same. When I buy a game for the PS4 and I pop it in, it's just a it's a it's a DRM token, right? It's just telling the server that I have the rights to play this game. It's downloading the whole game onto
1: the hard drive. Yeah, it's a it's a glorified key.
0: It's a key. Yeah. And I mean a lot of times like now when you buy some PC games, there's just it's just a case with a key in it.
1: You know, it's it's kind of depressing when you get that too. It's like it oh, is. I thought there was it, something else
0: in it. Yeah, I mean it used to be really cool, right, to get the whole case with the game in it and the manual and all the little things that would come with it, but now more and more that's moving to digital, more and more you're really just buying a license to play this game for as long as they decide you're gonna have it, right? And that's where maybe it's a larger topic right but some of the drawback of a digital only world right is that you're not going to have access to this game in 25 30 years right Unless the, servers the servers are going to the servers are going to get shut down one day right
1: well, maybe but they also I mean, may maybe. keep them up for a while
0: just, yeah maybe you know, they're going to be up for a while for right right
1: or but, they'll offer you some sort of oh you own this many games we'll turn this many games into something you can own on our next console. So.
0: Right. And there's been hints of this whole uh, disc to digital program um, from Microsoft, right? And that's very Floating. much of the rumor sphere and, and just vague interviews with Phil Spencer. But there's this whole idea that they're going to have some kind of partnership where you're just turning in your disc and getting a download code, which is pretty cool. But yeah, there's the, there's the scary parts of, digital, where if they lose the rights to that game, it may just vanish, right? It's not going to be in the store anymore, and if your hard drive dies, you don't have that game anymore.
1: Uh, not um, necessarily, because it is still linked to your account. Some of them,
0: but the there are games game on PSN that would just you cannot download anymore.
1: Yeah. The only game that I can think of that there's an issue with that is Mortal Kombat Alliance.
0: Yeah, exactly. That That's the one I was thinking about.
1: Yeah, that, that That license is gone, so you can no longer buy it from the storefront, but if you owned it, you can still re-download it by going into your account. Right, but yeah, it's, also it's, think
0: it's, about things, you know, maybe this isn't this isn't a full example of buying and having access to, but the PT, right? The playable trailer which was the never made Silent Hill collaboration, that's gone. You can't download it anymore and even if you had it on your console, you can't re-download it. You know, if your hard drive dies,
1: that's it for PT for you. That's it if you're still playing a, a demo you have bigger issues.
0: I mean it's it's not really about the plane but it's the it's the, I think was maybe one of the market or not marketed but the larger publicized situations of that happening,
1: right? Yes. Where, I think the yeah. other issue is also that is also something you didn't pay for, so they probably right. don't feel bad about you not having access. But
0: you know and this if is not gaming for but it, it, would be it right, right, but even not in gaming we've seen this with digital rights and things, right? Like Ironically enough, at some point, Amazon lost the rights to 1984, and in the middle of the night, it vanished off of people's Kindles. It was just gone. They eventually had enough outcry that they restored it, but obviously things like that can happen. So that's just a concern, right? But I think what we were trying to push to before we kind of got off on the tangent is that it's going to be an effect in retail, right? You're going to see these stores pivot kind of like when you know, CDs started slowly.
1: Yeah, name vanishing. the last time you saw a music store in D3. Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, maybe we have a little bit of research
1: Vinyl. Yeah, we have we have an F F Y E in sugar sugarloaf mills. Yeah, we that's, do. Which is incredible. That's the only music store I know, but when you walk in there, it is nothing but nostalgia T-shirts, candies, right? Itch. Which I think They're not some selling game stores are there. starting
0: to pivot to that. Right? You got. The Think Geek stores popping up and some GameStop stores becoming more of a store where you can go and buy some cool things, right? But you may necessarily not even buy the, go there to buy a game, but you might buy a card for PlayStation Network or for Xbox Live to go and buy games, right?
1: Well, that's what I have to do because of yeah. so many fraudulent purchases on Fortnite in my area. Your yes, literally, literally being told that I cannot buy stuff on the marketplace because too many kids. Have gotten a hold of their parents' credit cards, spent things is absolutely insane, and it's the reason I want to change banks. But for my area, it's the most convenient thing.
0: Right, right, but yeah. So I mean, like we we're saying, and then you know, obviously, I guess with the end of physical, we're talking about not being tied to a console anymore, or even a PC, like phone gaming and tablet gaming, right? With a I
1: Blue think Bluetooth I see controller, that controller anything, the, and everything.
0: yeah, Bluetooth I, controller, I, and you're gonna play the next Assassin's.
1: on Google, I mean, whatever you could have talent. played this one on. Because exactly. Stream it. Yeah. Stream it. So, yeah. I think, like you said, PC game streaming and physical media kind of disappearing are the big big things that are going to be going forward. And there's going to be a lot of people kicking and screaming. But if you have a problem, right. we, have, we have a console. <laughs> Is it the Xbox
0: 360?
1: It's the Xbox <laughs> For all you PC gamers that are upset about not having Grand Theft Auto 5, yeah, <laughs> Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> yeah, a lot of mistakes. A lot of mistakes. But look to uh, the future. You can't look to the yeah. future without reminiscing about the past. And I think, right. I think when we were writing this list, this this was the one that really made us think of the. We've got to talk about this on too young to be this old. Um, you don't see Couch Co op anymore.
0: No, it doesn't I mean...
1: exist. Um, I can think of I can think of Castle Crashers which came out on the 360 that's just been
0: really You got a few like they're, they're, it's almost Diablo like 3. tabletop gaming it's starting it's yeah. starting to get a little bit of a resurgence with the indie market right but you got Diablo 3 like you were saying you got Castle Crashers which was a while ago right but they made a new one but you have some things like overcooked right and um there's a few on PSN now I'm blanking on the name right that were that are great couch co-op but you're not seeing couch co-op in a lot of the big games right they're not Prioritizing that as a feature.
1: You're not seeing co op in a lot of big games
0: you're not, Yeah, you're not even seeing co op. Or you're seeing co op that's totally, um, you know, kind of devoid of any point, right? I think it's like Far Cry 5. If you co op, person who joined your party is not getting any progression in their game.
1: Yeah, they're, so, they're playing with you.
0: It doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, I remember even the Saints Row, like one and two and three. You know the essentially the classics, those had fantastic co-ops. And I remember me and my cousin just going through all of those entirely together from the start to finish. Same thing with Crackdown One and Two. Years going through War. the whole game in co-op.
1: Years yep. of War, Call of Duty World at War, games like that. Yeah. Good co Yeah, World at
0: War. I mean that's the first time I played in zombies couch, was
1: yeah. in Couch
0: Co op in cool. college. So and it was fantastic, but that i think while it might have like i said a small little resurgence it's in a it's in very niche markets that's happening it's like in some indie games they're bringing it it's really cool but you're not seeing it in the big games you're not seeing it in the big games with big stories you're not seeing the ability to co-op with your
1: friend and get through the story get through the campaign right i think this next one that you marked is is solely a you thing
0: yeah i mean it's a you and
1: also didn't work well, I, was about right? to say, I mean yeah, well, you, you tell your side and then i'll explain you one right
0: so for me i loved not having games spoiled a few days or even you know before the release like now you know we saw um you know kingdom hearts 3 large portions of it apparently were getting spoiled all over the internet because somebody somehow got an early copy um also you could just be scrolling through facebook or reddit or whatever and just get a game totally ruined for you. I mean it's I think it's more this is social media now because it's the same thing that happens with movies, with T V shows, everything people just feel like they have to talk about it like you were just expected to watch it at the same time as they did, right? But you have a very different experience with game spoiling.
1: Oh yeah, game game spoiling has been getting spoiled for me long social media was as big and prevalent as it was now. I like as you've heard several times in our podcast, I used to work at a game store um that has a stop in it. And I could sell a game at a midnight release and when I opened the store the next morning I would have somebody returning that game and all about the game before I've ever got a chance to open my copy of the game. <laughs> yeah, you
0: you went you went home, got to sleep, got back in the store to open up and you'd already know what happened
1: at the end of the game. Exactly, and it's literally the reason I started playing PC games, because you don't have PC gamers come in and ruin things for you <laughs> in a yeah. game store. So right. that, that was what drove me to PC games, and it's also, as much as Andy Harp's on me about this, it's also the reason I only play multiplayer titles for the most part. Um,
0: yeah, because you don't have an opportunity to have it spoiled, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, and, and see, I'm yeah. starting to play single-player games now, like, like you said with Red Dead. Yeah, I'm you're getting red and Enjoying it be- yeah. because I don't talk to people that ruin these games for me anymore.
0: No, yeah, I mean the, the true true facts is the fact that those kind of people I, I I cut out pretty quickly, right?
1: Don't need that negativity in my life.
0: Absolutely not. I can't stand people Too spoiling anything for me. I mean, Ben, you know I cannot stand spoiling. like. Uh, we will.
1: we have a certain friend who will spoil things without knowing.
0: Yeah, I will I'll legitimately honest. get furious. People who I'm real bad
1: spoilers. about it with wrestling, but that's because my hype levels know. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I, can't I, I
0: I've come to be okay with some wrestling spoilers, unless it's like you text you when uh, pay per view is going on.
1: Yeah, so, I will never spoil a pay per view. I have decent
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but wrestling um, is a different podcast.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but also <laughs> another the no piece. Go ahead. Yeah, the no downloads. The the no day one patches, and I think this is another thing pushing the digital sales so hard is the fact that you can buy a game digitally, pre download it, so at midnight when that game launches you can start playing it. Where if you go to the store, buy the disc, you're coming home, you're installing that game for five to six hours. Depending on your internet, you may install it quicker, but you're still waiting time before you can play that game. Where you go digital now at midnight, bam, you're playing. Yeah, it's it's just it's ready for you. But
0: yeah, and then the same thing with day one patches. I mean if you go digital that game might be ready, but then you might still day one, day two, or day three have a 30 gig patch, right? Which Call of
1: you have
0: to get over that because that's the way gaming is now, right? Where they have to iterate and these games are so large that they're not finding the issues beforehand but I think it's also a symptom of probably much stricter release schedules and companies wanting to hit their numbers at certain times and this Call of Duty or this Fallout game has to release at this time no matter how bad it is.
1: Correct. I, I miss no loot boxes. I miss no microtransaction. Yeah. I miss when you spent your $60 and you got, I don't want to say a complete game, because there was a lot of games I spent $60 yeah, on that I kept it going. didn't feel it. like a complete there, game, but... Right. But I hate the fact that if I buy an incomplete game now, like, I think the, the best example I can think of in this one is Division and Destiny. Those games were not that great at launch. Right. But they evolved into a good experience but they also evolved and added so many microtransactions and things like that. Yeah. And I would like you have me paying price for a game to not have this microtransaction. The only game that I can really get behind the way they do microtransactions is Grand Theft Auto V solely because, hey, I don't have time to sit here and play this forever, but I got, you know, 20 bucks to spare. Let me buy some in-game money so that I can get caught up to, Right, I'm fine with that concept, whatever. But I mm-hmm. know some people say it's ruined the marketplace. I'm fine. Yeah, with I concept. feel like it has its I'm place. Right.
0: I mean, I don't it really has- care about that because it's totally optional. You can go ahead. If the only time where I get upset is where it's I can't do this thing unless I spend this, right?
1: Correct. Um, and like same it.
0: thing where some games do story DLC fantastically. So I haven't played it, but from what I've heard about the Spider-Man DLC, it all just picks up from the end of the game and moves forward. It's not like where you see some story DLCs, they obviously trimmed out a portion of the middle of the story and put it into a DLC package, right? It's, here's extra things that happen later in the story, but not, oh, this was happening in the middle, but we just skipped it because we needed to sell that as a, you know, downloadable content two months after the
1: game releases, right? Yeah, something to fill in the blanks. Yeah,
0: exactly. So I think there's a right way to do it. Just, and, and I think both of our opinions, a very wrong way to do it.
1: Indeed. I and mean, I think we kind of talked about this on our podcast. Um, oh no, we have not talked about this on the podcast. The next one, probably. Oh right, yeah,
0: that's that's a new. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I I we, you know, we touched on it in the last
1: one, right? right? A little bit. There's no new IPs from the standpoint of originality coming out anymore. I think Fortnite was the last big, I want to say new IP. Right. Come out, but it it came out in the Battle Royale craze. Right.
0: It, it well Pretty it came much. out in that and also it was, you know, Epic owns the engine, right? I mean, they There was nobody holding them back,
1: right? I mean, they they just kind of could do what they wanted at that point. Everything they wanted to do they could do.
0: But there's a lot of games that I think were coming out in the early 90s and even some in the early 2000s that like you wouldn't see today, right? Like I don't think you'd get a Crash Bandicoot today,
1: right? Well, you just had one release that sold real well.
0: Right, remastered. I mean, it's remastered. Same thing with the Spyro. They just pushed out the remastered. But I don't think you get the same kind of chances, right? Unless you're going the indie route and you're a smaller developer. But like we talked about with EA and Microsoft closing studios.
1: If you're not coming up with the next Halo Call of Duty. Exactly. They don't want your ideas.
0: Yeah, and that's where basically the point I wanted to get across is that you see a lot more gamers right now. You have more people playing games than ever before, more demographics and age groups. That the hope is that all these content creators get to be more creative and all these studios and publishers are more accepting of these new ideas. And I think we're slowly starting to see it, you know, because of how many indie games kind of come out and. Really make a difference and how many games are able to be creative but they're smaller you know hopefully we start seeing some of these bigger titles hit some more creative uh, ideas and create more interesting worlds than kind of some of the same recycled ideas we're seeing kind of every
1: few years Space Marines everywhere yeah exactly <laughs> yeah definitely agree with that there just needs to be some more originality I don't want nothing but sequels in a given like already looking to next year if you look at the games people are the most excited for it's nothing but you know division two uh kingdom hearts three there's a lot of sequels that are coming out next year that are really what have people hype or yeah if, it's it's a game like you know anthem which is basically this ea's attempt at destiny or division whichever way you want to look at it and right. you also have Hopefully, maybe that zombie game that Sony's been talking about for 700 E3s. Right, really right, exactly. Um, but again, you know, is a zombie game really will or is it... Are you going to consider that a new IP, or is that just, hey, you have to survive the zombie apocalypse for the 700th game we've seen in the past couple of years? Right, well, I'm really interested...
0: No cool. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how Last of Us 2 turns out, because Last of Us... The original Last of Us was fantastic and did the zombie thing but with enough good story and that Sony first partiness
1: um it also released right when Walking Dead was the hottest thing ever and I right, think everybody is right. so burned out on Walking Dead and the zombie thing.
0: Oh yeah, so I'm interested to see how it sells. I mean, I think it's going to be pretty pretty interesting to see what it does if it if it garners that same kind of uh, excitement. Um But So I think we've talked a lot, right, about the state of gaming and what we've been upset about or what we don't like, what we do like. What's your wrap-up here, Ben?
1: Uh, For me, digital gaming is the future. There needs to be less microtransactions. And F Fortnite.
0: I somehow knew you were going to end that way. But, I mean, I agree. Digital gaming, I think... Subscriptions, subscription gaming, because everything is moving subscription model, right? And streaming—that's kind of the things I'm most excited about, and the opportunities that we're going to have with that. So that's where I hope to see things get better, right? Less uh, problematic microtransactions and unoriginal ideas, and maybe more innovation in the market overall.
1: That sounds about. The way it needs to go.
0: Yeah. So, anyway, like all our podcasts, any opinions or you think we've missed the ball on something or ill informed on something, you know, feel free to let us know. Um, like we mentioned before, social media at the top of the podcast. We'll also have it down in the show notes so you can tweet at us or comment on the post on our website. So, feel free to interact with us any of those ways. So I just want to say thank you for listening. And Ben, if you want to sign us out.
1: I was about to say, if you want to find us, remember you can find us on our website, to be this old.com That'll also give you a link to all of our streaming sites and to our social media pages. You can find us there. And like you said, thank you for listening. Any thoughts or comments, please let us know. We'd love to hear them because feedback, positive feedback, is always appreciated. <laughs> Take negative feedback day. too. No, no, don't no, don't none. Don't, none. <laughs> you got to phrase it positively. Just, but Matt gets in are like, you guys suck. Stop. I'm not gonna yeah. listen to that. Yeah, you just need to be fair. like, hey, you guys need to do this different. I can right. live with that. Right. So, that's and uh,
0: so yeah, thanks again for listening. And uh, if you found us on a subscription service that allows you to give us a rating, please go ahead and give us a rating because that definitely helps. So once again, thanks for listening to Too Young to Be This Old. And goodbye, good night,
1: good morning. Whichever time you're listening. There you go. Bye-bye.